You're listening to Forecast, the marketing podcast for professional services leaders. If you're looking to generate more leads, win more deals, and take your firm to the next level, this show is your shortcut. Hey there, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Ahmed Manowar, founder and chief marketing officer at Boutique Growth, where we help professional services firms generate more leads so they can close more business. I've got a great interview for you here with John D'Amato of D'Amato Productions. Now, John is a photographer, but he's not like any other photographer. John specializes in creating branded lifestyle portraits that transform entrepreneurs and thought leaders into rock stars. And yes, I'm reading from his website because I couldn't have said it better myself. John's got some great advice for you on how you can take the visual elements of your personal brand, like your headshots and your portraits, and turn them into assets that can raise your profile in the industry and position you as a thought leader. He's also got some great advice on how you can find a local photographer to create these visual assets for you. If you want to grab the show notes to this episode, you can head over to forecast.fm slash D'Amato. That's forecast.fm slash D'Amato, D-E-M-A-T-O, D'Amato. Enjoy. Hey, John, thank you so much for joining me here on the show. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So listen, let's jump right in. You know, you're a photographer. You're an expert in creating these powerful visuals for thought leaders. Make the case for me, John, as to why high quality portraits and visuals and headshots are so important for anybody that's trying to build a brand for themselves. Well, it's all about visibility these days. You know, there's so many outlets, so many channels for growth, for marketing opportunities. And in order to really get that visibility that my clients seek, that rock star status, that getting out there and just building a legacy, really, the only way to do that is to have a unified look in your images. And it has to be high quality. Selfies just, quite frankly, don't resonate on that level with people. If you want to connect with certain people on a certain level and, you know, have a personal page and do that stuff, it's great. But when you want to make a dent out there, professional portraits are the way to go. It's the only way to go. So I've taken a look at some of your work, John, and I've noticed that if I look at, you know, the different personalities in your portfolio, I kind of get a sense of who each of these people are because each of them is a little bit distinct a little bit unique right how do you bring that out in a shoot well everybody's personality is different everybody especially high level entrepreneurs and thought leaders that i work with they all have distinct styles distinct methods and they all are different so the first thing that i need to figure out before i even pick up my camera is to see what people resonate with in terms of direction and in terms of being comfortable in front of the camera because the only way that you're gonna get an authentic look at a person is through portraits where people have let their wall down. And the way that I personally get their wall down is, quite frankly, I just talk a lot of crap and make people laugh. That's really the key. Because <laughs> once you get, like right now, I would be snapping away at you right now because you're <laughs> laughing. Because the reality is the 40 plus muscles that are in your face, they're all relaxed at that very moment that you laugh. So for me, it's more than just like, you know, stand up comedy routine. It's obviously a lot more than that. Um, but that's the linchpin to starting the whole thing. So look, I have an ulterior motive here, John. 
my headshots are terrible. <laughs> I don't have portraits. They're awful. And I'm kind of hoping you can convince me here that I should kind of spend the money and hire a, a John D'Amato here in Toronto to do, you know, give me the works, right? How about you hire the John D'Amato in New York City? Oh, I got to come we to New York. We don't want no John D'Amato in Toronto. What's that all about? <laughs> I do I do love coming to New York. So you might actually be on the right track there. You never know. I might just fly down for a shoot. But listen, I'm going to kind of ask you some of the questions that sure. I would have going into a shoot. And I think a lot of folks who are listening will have the same questions. So right. the first thing is going into a shoot, you know, let's say I don't have a John D'Amato who can guide me through this process as well as you do, right? How do I figure out what kind of style or personality to showcase in my portraits? Well, the first thing that you need to figure out is your brand, because as a solopreneur, your job is to know who you are, what you're about, and who you serve. Anyway, that's the foundation for figuring out what kind of photos you need. Then you need to figure out what does work look like to you? Do you work from home? Do you work from a co-work space? Do you work on a computer? Do you handwrite notes? Do you meditate and then write stuff down? Do you read books that help drive uh, creativity? What does work look like to you? And then that will help come up with some type of stuff. Uh, are you currently uh, selling anything? Is there a landing page that you need? Like, what are you selling and how do you want to best sell it? So a lot of the questions that before you even step in front of the camera, you need to know top to bottom, what you're about, where you are in your business, where do you want to go, who you serve. And I also like to do the why thing with my clients because, you know, if you're not 100% rock solid in what you believe in, it's going to show up in the photos. You have to be very deliberate and very purposeful with where you are and what you want to do. And that will help dictate the type of shots that you want, that you need, really. So, so let's say you've got all that figured out, right? You know who you serve, you know what kind of your work style, you know where you work, you know your beliefs, your values, the why. How does that translate into, okay, I need to do these shots in these venues, you know, wearing, wearing this outfit. Like, how do you make that leap into the details of the shoot? Well, it's because while all of those things are definite indicators and that separate you from other entrepreneurs, the one th and thought leaders, as the case may be, the one commonality between all of those industries is that there are a lot of similarities in the sense of the types of photos needed, like as I was alluding to before, the working shots, also shots of you just against like a plain wall, for example, those types of images are good to basically what you need to do is hedge your bets for all of the different types of outlets in terms of where you need these photos if they're for sales opportunities for your website for daily social posting oh and then of course any printed materials especially if you're publishing a book or if you have leave behinds and you do workshops and those types of things so once you have established all of the different avenues that you are going to pursue with promoting yourself through high quality images what you then can figure out is all of the different types of well, the thing about that is, is now I'm talking myself into a circle in terms of how many different things that you need, because uh, thought leaders just need so many images and it can be a daunting task. And that's why you asked me the question. <laughs> well, let, let me make this a little bit simpler, because 
I think the mistake that people make going into these kind of shoots, and I'm sure you see this time and time again, is I just need I need a headshot for my website, right? All they're thinking about is that about page on the website, right? But you just rattled off so many other applications. Give me like yeah. a, a typical list. Like what's the, you know, you can maybe give me like the, the minimum number of shots that you should have in their applications and what's like the ideal for a thought leader? Well, here's the thing. I didn't even get into another aspect of uh, part of my service, which is then there are images that I shoot that have nothing to do with your face or your body at all. Then they're prop photos. Props mean being things that are used within your business. Either it's a metaphorical reference or it could be an actual physical you know, product or something. Be it, I'm trying to think. I shot with a lawyer. And when we were shooting, he brought in a fake client of his because part of his what his work world looks like is a lot of one on one conversations. So he hired someone to come in and sit in there and I shot around them and, and use that body as a way to, you know, frame in the shot. And then it gives him stuff to work with in terms of captioning these images. But what I noticed was is he pulled out a pen and a paper and I'm like, don't you use a laptop when you do this? I mean, you use a pen and a paper. And he, and he responded that the pen and paper for him is a faster way to work when he's doing like an interview with a client. So that's why he sticks to that. So I shot a bunch of shots of his hand with a pencil and a pen and writing. And, and basically what it boiled down to is that prop photos mixed with personality shots, you know, and portrait shots of different types, I would say for daily posting, you need a couple hundred, ideally. And, but it, they have to be versatile. That's the thing. It can't just be 100 photos of you smiling and eating an apple, looking off camera, just living the dream. I can't stand those shots. Mm. <laughs> and the reason being is because that only scratches the surface of a person's brand. If you have 20 of those shots, it's kind of watered down and it's similar. So it needs to be diverse, versatile images that can be used in a variety of areas, captionable, with stories and information that is relevant to your brand and that will resonate with your clients and followers. And it has to be consistent. So let me repeat back to you what I'm kind of understanding in terms of the high level outcomes of a portrait session. What I'm hearing is that through your portraits, you want to be able to give prospective clients, followers, anyone who might be interested in your work, you want to give them a bit of a lens into your personality into your brand, into the way that you work so that they can visualize working with you, right? When they view these portraits, they look at the pictures. It's almost like they have a sense of what to expect when they're in that first meeting with you. Yes, that's perfect. Yes. That is the sole purpose of these images. It's to inform, entertain, and inspire current clients, potential clients, followers of that person. And this lens that you speak of is it that is otherwise it's just random stuff you're posting that doesn't really connect with you. And it will certainly not connect with potential clients. And I think if you're listening and you're kind of not really following, like, what does that mean? <laughs> then here's here's what I would say. Just think about somebody that you may maybe follow on Instagram or Snapchat. Right. Mm -hmm. And think about all the visuals that you're exposed to from that person's life. Now, those may not be the most deliberate, although if, if they're a real thought leader, they probably are very deliberate and curated. But whether or not they are, you feel like you know that person more than you would have if you didn't have access to those visuals. Right. <sighs> 
Absolutely. And in this day and age, the more places that you have this consistent, unified and authentic message, the better, because that's the name of the game. It's visibility. And if you don't, the question is, how are you getting left behind? Right. Because I would argue that when it comes to things like portraits and photographs and and definitely video as well. Right. Absolutely. Buyers Mm -hmm. are you do a little bit of video as well, don't you? Yes, yes, I have a, I have quite a background in that. So, so my argument is that buyers are not necessarily going to reach out to the best choice, right? They're going to reach out to the person that they like the most or they feel that they have the most of an evolved relationship with, which you can communicate and you can build that relationship through the visuals, through the videos, through all of that imagery. And if you're not doing that, then your competitor might do it. And even if they aren't as good as you or aren't as professional as you or aren't the best fit, they may still get the call because they've done all that work of creating that relationship through the visuals. Yeah. You know, it's funny you bring that up because I have constant conversations with other photographers, not doing what I do specifically, but a lot of headshot shooters in particular. And headshot photography is a perfect example for what you're talking about, because when you think of headshots, studio-based headshots I'm talking about, you know, plain white background, gray background, black background, you know, tight shot, cropping a little bit at the top of the head and you see these photos and I at this point can tell the difference between someone who has years of experience and is a strong practitioner of the art versus a bargain basement guy that you know just basically shoots with a decent camera and essentially undercuts the other people with a lower rate the issue with all of that is that the customer only knows In that sense, we're talking about rates. You know, the professional uh, seasoned pro is charging several hundred a session while the other person's charging under a hundred. If you live in that conversation, as a thought leader or as a uh, high-level entrepreneur, you are going to be stuck with that battle for discounts and and money. Whereas when you elevate yourself to a higher standard as a thought leader, as an expert in a particular niche, those conversations go away because you're putting out that content that illustrates your expertise and you're separating yourself from that whole pack and you're creating that relationship that you alluded to before because you're the only one that's out there. And not only are you the only one that's out there, but you're making a lot of sense. And it just, it's attractive to want to work with someone who presents themselves as an expert. Yeah, no, no, I I love it. I mean, our mutual friend and contact, Pia Silva, who I interviewed recently on the show, she wrote the brand new book, Badass Your Brand. She talks about this a lot, right? The idea of being an expert and not a service provider. If you're a service provider, people just want your hands. They want you to do the work. They want you to take them into your basement and do some quick and dirty uh, headshots and and, and they want to pay... You know, they want to pay as little as possible and get I'm out, out of that's, there. Right? That's, that sounded inappropriate, that's but right. yes. But that, but, then, but that is what happens, isn't it? <laughs> Hopefully it's my third shot. floor apartment, not my basement, okay? <laughs> Can we please get that right? <laughs> Whereas well, you, you want them to perceive you as not just the hands, but the brains, right? The expert. So I'm, I'm sorry, but I was going to say it. 
Although you may not be branding yourself as an expert, you are an expert. So what you're doing is dropping the ball on your promotion and marketing. That's really what this is. It doesn't devalue your actual skill. Mm -hmm. But what you're doing is you're handcuffing your ability to make a certain type of living that you deserve based on the sheer experience that you possess. You know, you're shooting yourself in the foot by not becoming that expert. I mean, listen, Pia's book, first of all, she's a friend, she's a mentor. She is someone who I you know, work with constantly. Um, her book to me is the blueprint for a badass business. There is no doubt about that. It's not just brand, it's a badass business. And that's the first thing I told her after I read it. Like, this is not just about branding. And that's the thing. When you start to develop that brand and you are that expert, all of a sudden, when content creation before, when you were hedging your bet and perhaps, okay, let me just take me as an example here. Before I niched my business and rebranded to what you currently see on my website, I was a photographer who officially uh, out in the world shot everything. And by everything, I'm talking headshots, I'm talking kids, family portraits, I shot networking events, I shot workshops, conferences, bar mitzvahs, sweet 16s, all everything, everything, everything. And it was a constant battle to pay my rent. It was a constant battle to find jobs, a constant battle to get a decent rate. And then one day I uh, met Pia and she started to plant these seeds. Now at first I was hesitant. I will be completely honest. I'm like, one thing, I don't know about that. Kind of feels like I'm gonna be, uh, you know, really pigeonholing myself. And um, I don't know if I wanna do that because I wanna be able to keep my lights on, <laughs> you know? I don't wanna start turning down work. That's kind of crazy. Fast forward a couple of months and Pia hires me to shoot some portraits for her, one of which is the cover of her book. And, you know, she's like, I need to build up my brand. I'm working on a book. I need to get some more visibility out there. You know, how can you help me? And the next thing you know, that idea a couple of months before where I would be out of my mind to niche my brand, all of a sudden it became very clear to me that there was no other choice for me but to work with these types of people because it was like as if the seas parted and the clouds went away. And the sunshine rose and this idea was born. <laughs> like I know. And that was intentionally meant to be cheesy because to be completely honest with you, that's kind of how I felt. Because <laughs> when you get your ass kicked for year after year fighting over bar mitzvahs, you know, it's like when you see something that has so much value and potential to help others while also creating this reciprocal feeling of just shooting awesome stuff. You know, that's kind of how I felt. And that's really what happened. And that's why that book is gospel to me. And I absolutely tell everyone that I know about it for that very reason. I couldn't agree more. It's a total game changer. I really want to highlight one thing that you mentioned a couple of minutes back. You know, this idea yeah. that, you know, you're an expert, right? You're you listening. You are the expert. You're the specialist. You're you're the person that clients come to when they have a problem. They're looking for guidance, looking for someone to help make that problem go away. Right now, that is what it is. But if you're not presenting yourself as an expert, you're in John's words, you're shooting yourself in the foot. 
right? Yep. And now that comes down to a lot of different things. That comes down to creating really valuable educational content that helps the buyer solve their problem, helps them understand the problem, helps them wrap their heads around how to solve it and so on and so forth. But it also comes down to creating these visuals because in the end, the internet is a very visual place, right? And look at your own consumption habits. You likely have a heavy bias towards visual content images, video, multimedia, that kind of thing, right? So if you're not telling that visual story, in addition to the content story, in addition to the actual ideas that you're communicating, those are critical. But the visual story and the content and the ideas go hand in hand. Yes. Actually, I break it down into a pretty simple way of for content purposes. I create these branded portraits with my clients in order to have them be able to attach captionable stories that are either informational, entertaining, and inspiring. Those are the three kind of worlds that I live in. Those are, and meaning those are the types of expressions that I want to capture with my clients because those types of expressions like the looking up and thinking and pondering is a great image that can be connected to a story of some sort that could be inspirational or just sharing, you know, a thought that could resonate with your ideal clients or have an expression where someone's kind of thinking or being very pensive in front of the camera. Maybe they're working on their computer or they're on their phone and they make this face and then you can attach a captionable story that might share some kind of a fact about that particular arena that this thought leader is living in or some kind of a fact that a a high level entrepreneur wants to share with their followers. You know, the point is it's about getting images that can easily share, that can easily be attached to, and then share stories with followers and ideal clients. That's such a such a great point. I want to make sure people understand this. Let's make it more concrete. There's a certain type of a visual that maybe goes on your website, on your about page, on your team page, on your home page. And we've covered some of the ideas of what that might look like. But what John's talking about here is something that's shareable, on social media. So for example, I run a podcast. (laughs) I create a lot of content, right? So it would make a lot of sense for me to create a shareable graphic featuring a quote from one of my podcasts that I can then post on Twitter. And I could just share that quote as it is, right? But wouldn't it be much more valuable to me and in building my brand and to helping people create a connection with my brand If there was a picture of me on there with one of those pensive looks or whichever one sounds appropriate, right? Then it's the quote, it's the content, and it's me, and it's all feeding back into promoting whatever it is that I'm promoting via the podcast or whether it's a blog or a video or what have you. And then you can add to that. Absolutely. And then on top of that, perhaps you can take that quote and rather than use it as a caption underneath the image, say on Instagram or Facebook, you could take that quote and attach it right to the image. Let's say I took some photos of you on a plain white background and we have an array of facial expressions. So everything from, you know, pensive to candidly laughing to questioning to having that kind of pissed off, I want to motivate my tribe type of expression. You can then in the negative space of that image, place that text right there and you hit the nail on the head with the, um, wouldn't it be better? (laughs) 
I assert it's an absolute necessity to have your images attached to things like that because you want to develop a relationship with people you've never had a conversation with. That's the whole point of these images is to create a relationship where these people feel like they know you already because when they are in a buying situation, they will trust you because you have held their hand and shared with them nuggets of information that no one else has done. And you have created an environment where it not only makes sense for them to contact you, but it would be silly if they kept waiting because they feel like they know you because you've shared with them all of the content that develops that trust. I can't tell you how many times, whether it's Twitter and LinkedIn is where I tend to play most of the time, but on both platforms where you know I'm scrolling through my feed and just think about how you interact on social media. You know, you scroll, right? We're scrollers. Yep. We scroll, 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 scroll. We only stop if something gets our attention. Often it's not text, it's a visual, right? I can't tell you how many times I've stopped at a visual that was exactly what you're describing. You know, maybe it was one of your clients for all I know. It's a quote, <laughs> right? Something, the content has to be there. The ideas have to be there. They have to stand on their own two feet. That goes without saying. It's a powerful quote that pulls me in with a compelling visual that goes with it and it tells me right away who this person is. Their name's there, their picture's there. I now have visual recognition and maybe I don't do anything the first time or the second time or the third time. But over Mm -hmm. time, if I'm following this person drip by drip Mm -hmm. by drip, just by scanning those visuals and stopping for the three seconds in my feed every few days, I'm now starting to get a sense of what their ideas are. I'm starting to appreciate their point of view. And then eventually I'm going to click through and I'm going to read that blog post or I'm going to listen to that podcast. And that's where the relationship then begins. Yes, That's exactly. And that's why having such a diverse and versatile image library is absolutely vital if you want that type of following. So, listen, I'm sold. But let's say, you know, in an ideal world, everybody flies in a New York City and hires John D'Amato. Let's just put that out there. Right. That's that's ideal. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then (laughs) option B is you fly me to wherever you live. I could do that, too. Fair enough. Fair enough. But let's say just for argument's sake, we need an option C. And I got to find somebody locally here in Toronto or somebody's in Phoenix or in California or maybe they're in Europe, right? Sure. What should I be looking for to find a photographer that can do this for me and do it right? Okay. The very first thing is you're going to look through some photographer, you know, portfolios. You're going to check some people out. You're going to find three to five photographers whose style resonates with you. That's first and foremost. But the most important part is the next step, which is contacting that photographer and actually having a conversation with him or her. I don't mean email exchange. I do not mean text exchange. I do not mean a Skype exchange. I mean, personal phone conversation. Actually, Skype would be okay. Let me take that back. (laughs) I just meant you need to be able to hear the person's voice and you need to be able to have an actual conversation. Why? Because you need to qualify that photographer to see if he or she jives with your personality. There has to be a rapport. You need to be able to respond to that photographer because if you don't, you're going to look weird, uncomfortable, and all of the photos that you get will reflect that. And this is the worst nightmare scenario if you were to be uncomfortable with a photographer. That's why I always talk to my clients because I already know that some clients won't 
work with the way that I work with people. And that's totally fine because I know other photographers who can help them out. But that's the step that a lot of people miss, which is the personal interaction beforehand. They just go based on rates and they go based on work. They don't go based on personal interaction. So that's that. Then once you feel like this person is cool enough to work with you, and you're on this on a level that will definitely produce the right types of photos, you could proceed from there. And by proceeding from there, that means to start thinking about all of the different channels, content that you need, like we were discussing before, the social stuff, the sales vehicles, the, how, is the website being redone? And then from those types of needs, you can then figure out specifically the types of shots that you need to pick up with your photographer. So long story short, you don't leave and assume that the photographer that you work with has all of the right answers. Go in with an educated estimation over all of the things that you need, the different types of images that you need to get, and then you can work from there. Yeah, I love that. And to be honest, I never thought about relationship being the most important thing in hiring a photographer. That's a bit of a game changer, but I, I completely agree. And I see where you're coming from. Let me tell you, it's not something that it's from experience and understanding that because I've done that, not contacted like when I would be shooting test photos or if I did have a client on a lower end thing and we didn't have a conversation and it was a referral. Things didn't work out as well because of the personality not lining up. So, you know, you learn from these experiences years ago and then now it, it's something that I definitely, definitely preached, especially to my other photographer friends. It's just now that you mention it, it's common sense, right? You're going to show up to this shoot and you have to look at yourself. You have to look your best. You have to smile. You got to be personable. You got to be charismatic. You want to put your best face forward. How is that going to go if you've never met the person behind the camera and you're now having to develop this new relationship while trying to look your best? Or worse, what if they annoy the hell out of you? <laughs> yep. What if you can't stand the person? How the hell are you going to smile? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing, because as I mentioned to you before, I talk a lot of crap and make people laugh. Now, what happens if they have a sensibility where that doesn't quite work? It's like, yeah. you know, like, oh, geez, this is going to be fun. Yeah. But actually, I have other methods in order to get people to be comfortable. That's just my favorite because it happens to be exactly the way that I live my life, you know, <laughs> so it comes natural. But the point being is that I cannot overstress how important it is to have a vibe that this person is cool. He or she is going to find my best angles, get my... Now, listen, there's that too, but you'll see that in the person's portfolio. Like, how do they accentuate this person's good side? And, and wow, they look really candid. Those photos look really natural. And all of that stuff that goes without saying, that's all there. But yeah, definitely have a conversation first. And I think the other thing to remember here is that do this right the first time because you're probably going to have to live with these photos for a long time. My, my current headshots are, I thought it'd be a temporary measure two years ago <laughs> and I'm still using them and they still make me cringe. Yeah, you're fake. I'm looking at your photo right now. You're fake smiling. and I'm always fake yeah. smiling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I just have to say this one thing about fake smiling. I say this to all of my clients. It's in my uh, opening statements to them to get them ready for the session. I do not allow fake smiling in front of my camera because when you fake smile, I die a little bit on the inside. And I don't think you want me to die with a camera in my hand before we get the session done. So don't fake smile. 
I was going to say, you know what, though? You sound like, you know, you like to laugh. You're going to be fine. Just get one of those. You're fine. <laughs> yeah, we don't want you to die a little bit on the inside. And we definitely don't want your clients to die a little bit on the inside. So I can appreciate the, the sentiment there. Let me ask you yes. this. This will be my last question, John. A lot of folks listening might be thinking, hey, I've got a DSLR or a friend with a DSLR. Why don't I just do this myself? How hard could it be? <laughs> yeah, you know what? I have a knife in my uh, drawer in the kitchen. I could take that out and perform open heart surgery on you, too. You want me to do that? Is that what you know? You know how stupid? Do you do you know how stupid I just sounded? Well, that's how stupid those people sound when they say that. Because you know, having a nice camera is awesome. I love having my camera. I, um, for those listening who know about Nikon's, I own a D5. That's my. It's the flagship camera for Nikon, and it's basically. I, I named him. His name is Anthony, by the way. <laughs> but my point is, is that that camera is awesome and it does great stuff. But if I were to hand you that camera, would you know what to do with that camera? No, I don't even know. I've never heard of it. Exactly. You know, your zone of genius is in one section. My zone of genius is my camera. And I've dedicated my entire life to all of the buttons on that thing and the philosophy behind what I do and the interactions that I have with my clients and the way that I make them feel before, during and after their session and to make sure that they're taken care of so that they can get that visibility that I discussed before. It's apples and oranges when you're talking about having a camera and being able to produce good stuff. Do I think that there are some things for your brand that you can do on your own? I was talking about prop photos before, shooting like things that are either metaphorically or physically attached to your particular job or your service or business. I actually had a client <laughs> a couple months ago and she just told me last week that she purchased a small DSLR and she stressed small introductory level DSLR, not a fancy one. <laughs> and I purchased it and because I inspired her to shoot props for her brand, shoot books and shoot this and shoot. I forgot the other stuff. She is a marketer who specializes with health professionals. So she's going to work in that world with that because of the stuff that I shot for her during her actual thought leader session. So in that sense, it's cool. But if you're going to talk about doing selfies, man, get the hell out of here. No, <laughs> no, come on. <laughs> Listen, John, this has been incredibly valuable and as a bonus, a ton of fun as well. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Amon. I appreciate it. Listen, what should folks do if they want to A, get in touch with you and B, maybe learn a little bit more about your approach and how they can take better portraits? Okay, well, the first thing is there's my website, johndomato.com. I have a blog section on there, and every week I pump out some uh, good information for people to read, so that would be a good place to start. Also, if you're interested in actually getting more information on a weekly basis, I am offering, I have a guide guidebook, a 20 tip guide that basically talks about the kinds of conversations that you should have with your photographer before and during the session. A lot of the stuff we touched on here, but there's a lot more juicy stuff in there. So if people go to my website, they could sign up for that guide and then they'll be on the list and I can send them all kinds of magical products throughout the month. Perfect. And that's johndemato.com? Yes. 
Okay, and we'll have a link to that in the show notes over at forecast.fm. So definitely check that out, folks, at johndemato.com. And if you're going to hire a photographer, I mean, first of all, if you're in New York, I mean, I guess game over. Go and hire John. If you're not in New York, you don't want to fly down, don't want to fly him down, go and download that tip sheet and give that to your photographer. Go through it with them and make sure you get this right the first time around. John, thanks again. Really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. It was great. 